everyone. Welcome back to the Going Vegan Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me again. As always, I really appreciate it. If you've listened to some of the past episodes, I've been asking you for feedback, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, ways that I can improve it, ways that I can make it a little bit better. I got some advice from my parents last week, and they said, you know, we really like what you're doing. Just talk a little bit slower. So that's advice that I've been getting since high school, I think, through college and law school, my public speaking courses, my trial advocacy courses. So clearly none of those lessons worked, but maybe this time it will. So I'm going to do my best to slow down going forward in these interviews. And I apologize if it sounds like I'm racing through them. Today on the podcast, I have BJ Gumkowski from Yogi Triathlete. I'm really excited to talk about that. But first, I want to throw out a suggestion that a podcast that I've stumbled upon, it's the Animal Law Podcast. And I've really been enjoying it because they talk about some current events in animal law and sort of what's happening in the animal rights movement. It's the Animal Law Podcast with Marianne Sullivan. And I talked a little bit about this with JC on the past interview, uh, where at law school, she had started their chapter of the Student Animal Legal Defense Fund. And when I was in law school, I took a couple animal rights classes. And if you're really interested in the animal welfare movement, which I think almost all of us are, which is why we're in this lifestyle to begin with, or at least if it wasn't why we came, it's how we got to where we are right now, or it's something that's very important to us. And really, a lot of the, the changes that are happening in the forefront of the movement do happen in the courtroom, or at least through the legal process. So one of the recent uh, episodes I was listening to about the Animal Law podcast was about the Miyoko's lawsuit, where they were suing the state of California to have the right to have their vegan butter being labeled butter. And there's a lot of different things like that that are worked their way through the court system, and the result of that case will have a significant impact on how products are marketed to the public. Uh, I know the milk industry is going through a similar thing, trying to get some of these plant-based milks to not be able to use the word milk to label them. So the Animal Law Podcast is a great resource to keep up to date on sort of what's going on in that world. Today's interview is with BJ Gumkowski from Yogi Triathlete. You may remember that name may sound familiar to you rather because I interviewed Jess Gumkowski, his wife, on a previous episode, and they started Yogi Triathlete together. So we're going to get BJ's story today. And Every time I talk to these guys, it's just, it's so motivating because like I said, when I spoke to Jess, the things that they do with running these Ironman races and BJ has run 15 of them is so far outside of my realm of what I think is possible that it's just amazing to speak to them and have them say, well, of course it's possible. I mean, you're not taking the steps to make it possible for you. So it's not possible for you right now, but of course you can get there. And that's always so motivating to me and always a message that I love to spread. It's also a great lesson in leaving what was a comfortable life for the life that you know you want to live, right? So BJ and Jess, he quit his corporate job. They moved out West. They didn't know what they were going to do. And through this plant-based lifestyle, they've established Yogi Triathlete and really found their calling to not only motivate themselves, but now motivate a ton of other people to do a similar thing to what they are doing. So I know you'll love the interview. Hopefully I talked a little bit slower through this, but here's BJ. Thanks so much again for joining me. Hey everyone, this is Dan with the Going Vegan Podcast, back with another fantastic featured interview. One of my favorite things about doing this podcast, I get to talk to people who are doing things that are so far outside of things that I can kind of understand about what uh, we're capable of that I always come away inspired. And we have another one of those today with BJ Gumkowski. You can find him at yogitriathlete.com. You can find him on Instagram at yogitriathlete. If that sounds familiar to you because you're a fan of the podcast, that's because it is familiar to you if you're a fan of the podcast. His wife, Jess Gumkowski, who also is a co-owner of Yogi Triathlete, along with BJ, joined me for a previous episode of the podcast. So if you found that interview to be inspiring, I suspect you'll find the same here. 
here. BJ is a 15-time Ironman triathlete, which to me, like I said, is just absolutely crazy. I can't even understand that. He's a 200-hour live, love, teach, train yoga instructor and a certified in plant-based nutrition from the T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutritional Studies, which is another program that we've talked about before on this podcast. BJ, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so honored to be here to share the good word about plants. Thank you. I love it. I love it. I'm the one who is honored. But tell us a little bit about yourself. What do we kind of need to understand about you to know your story a little bit? So who you see today is definitely not who I was coming into this world. Literally, I am from the East Coast and I'm living on the West Coast. All my family is on the East Coast. I'm the only one here on the West Coast. My family eats a certain way. I'm plant-based. So I am the exception and I have fully embraced that. But uh, yeah, so I went to school to become a business major and uh, just followed that path. Unlike Jess, who just sort of bounced around, I took the safe route, did the four years in school, worked for a company right out of college that I had worked with during high school, an event company. And I actually had worked for them for almost 20 years. It was really the only company I had ever worked for. Wow. So I, I, I think I worked with them for about 10 years, then went on a consultant basis and moved to Boulder, Colorado. Amazing, amazing adventure. I've been there. I can, I can attest Boulder is a wonderful, wonderful town. If I didn't have family keeping me on the East Coast and friends, I'd probably be living there with you. Yeah. I, and I don't know if anybody actually works there. I think they're all having too much fun. And that really planted the seeds for my story. But on a good note, I actually was asked to come back to that same company to work in-house. So I was a consultant working with them. And now I had to come back to Newport, Rhode Island and work with them in-house. So big, big challenges. And I had every opportunity to stay, to stay with them. And I could still be with them now and I could be with them forever. They're an amazing company. But we'll get to this. But, you know, something tugged at my heart and really asked me to own my own greatness and who I am as an individual and human being on this planet. And so I took the leap and uh, started Yogi Triathlete. And that's where I am today, co-owner of Yogi Triathlete. We are waking up and shaking up the world of endurance sports through mindfulness and plants. I love it. I love it. So tell me about your diet sort of growing up and when you started transitioning to more of a plant-based diet yourself. Yeah, so I've always tried to eat healthy, like that it, what I understood to be healthy. Sure. And it got to a point where literally I was eating chicken, I'd buy the family pack of chicken breasts, cut them myself, grill them on a George Foreman grill with no sauce or anything. I would take frozen broccoli and steam it. And uh, I would take boiling a bag brown rice. And that was my meal. And in my mind, I thought, we're great, I'm covering all the bases. I'm having lots of vegetables, broccoli. I'm having my protein, chicken, and I'm not having the extra fat, the salad dressing or the sauce. And as long as I do this, I'm eating healthy and I'm at the, I'm at the gym every day, clanging weights for 45 minutes, grunting and groaning and wondering why I'm not getting bigger and stronger and faster. And so that's where I was. And I had really, really hard lines, Dan. I had hard, hard lines about what I would eat and what I wouldn't eat and who I was and what I believed in. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you say that about the diet that you were eating because that's the exact diet that I joke about on this podcast when I talk about how people say, oh, you're going to go to a vegan diet. 
what are you going to eat? And I say, well, my diet now that I'm eating a plant-based diet is far more varied than it ever was before when I was eating. Because to me, and I make this joke if you uh, past episodes where I literally say, you could plop a chicken breast and some steamed broccoli down the plate, and you could call it a dinner because it was a protein and a vegetable, and that was fine. And now that I'm living this sort of plant-based lifestyle, I have to be a little bit more intentional about what I'm putting on my plate to make sure I'm getting all the nutrients. But also, it's opened up this world where really, like, as long as you're avoiding animal products, that's the whole idea. There's so many options for you out there. The options are limitless. And that's why I was saying who you see today is not who I was. So if you're out there listening to this and you're like, I have hard lines, like I don't eat peas and I don't eat this or tofu, whatever it is, I was that person. I'm your man. I'm the guy who would not eat anything but those three things and a lot of it. So the fact that right now I can have pretty much anything in a pan that's green or red or colorful and be okay and actually be thriving as an endurance athlete at the age of 47, like sign me up, like explore those limits, explore those limits. I'll have a lot of questions for you in due time about the endurance athlete side sure. of this because it is so far outside of my wheelhouse. So you're eating this diet that consists of you know, chicken, broccoli, the rice on the plate. When did you start to realize that maybe a plant-based diet would be better for your lifestyle? And how did you start to make that transition? What was sort of the impetus for that? Yeah, great question. Let's go to when I was in Boulder, Colorado. We were there for 10 years, obviously a healthy, active lifestyle and exposure to alternative thought processes and things are welcome there. Nearing the end, I, that's where I got involved in triathlon. And so I've always wanted to eat healthy. And so that changed as I began to be exposed to Eat and Run, the book by Scott Jurek, Rich Roll, the Rich Roll podcast. And it shook me up because if these guys are able to do it, and I'm looking for a healthy way, and I feel good as I start to eat more of these things, then let's give this a go. And I fully went on board when we went back to Rhode Island. So in Boulder, my transition, this is important. My transition went from the chicken, because I was still eating the chicken. Then Jess said, I'm not going to cook the chicken anymore. So then I had to cut up and cook the chicken. And then I got tired of that. And so I decided to eat bison and buffalo because I thought that was lean, you know, grass-fed beef. This is the whole, you know, mid-2000s, like this is what I need to be eating. Then that stopped because I didn't want to cook it. And so I started eating salmon that was already cooked at Whole Foods Deli because it was already served. I didn't have to cook it. And it was my protein and it was really healthy for you because everybody said salmon is healthy for you. No, no idea about where the fish is coming from, how it's sourced, uh, how it got here, how it's cooked, what the impact is on the environment. None of that. Um, tunnel vision on healthy. This is what I'm being fed. This is important to me. And then when we got back to Rhode Island, I think about a year in, I was, I was totally on board. I, I really gravitated to how I was feeling and that it was opening my palate, my taste palate for, for so many new things that were blowing my mind, really allowing me to step up who I thought I was as an athlete, you know, really, really tuning into that. And when you feel good eating this stuff, you want more of it. It is a positive reinforcement I think as long as you're doing it correctly and mindfully and intentionally, which it sounds like you were, because I think a lot of people do this and they realize they're not eating enough food or they're not eating the right kinds of food. You really do need to do this intentionally. And you can't, I mean, unless you're doing some research, you need to make sure that you're actually doing this the smart way and the right way. And it sounds like you were. And the other thing that I like what you said was, 
I'm always curious about what people's transition was like from sort of eating what their diet was to what it is now. And some people sort of say, well, I went cold turkey. Then you start asking them some questions and like, they didn't go cold turkey, right? It took them months. I mean, they cut out one thing, then I cut out another thing. And when they look back 10 years later, it happened very quickly. But in truth, it was not. And that's not what you're saying. What you're saying is actually, I hit almost every step along the way as I kind of went from one to the other, which I love. Yeah, that's so spot on. And actually, I forgot a piece in there because I would eat a ton of eggs. I mean, I would eat 10 eggs a day, 10 egg whites a day. I would throw away the yolk, eat the egg whites, and actually clogged up our drain once and had to have a plumber come because we were tossing the eggshells down, <laughs> down the, the drain. But eggs, like these are the things people say, oh, ice cream too, Ben and Jerry's. Like I was eating a half a pint of ice cream every other day because I was training and I, and I felt like I needed that stuff. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about addiction. I was addicted to that. And I can look back and say I was extremely addicted to ice cream. That is probably one of the things to your point just now that I went cold turkey on was ice cream. I found that we eat a lot of ice cream in my house and I found that the number of oat milk and coconut milk based ice creams these days and you put them next to each other, you can't even tell the difference. I mean, it's amazing what you can get now. So it really is no longer a problem. You can have your ice cream again. So at least that's nice. What does your diet look like these days? What are some staples of your diet that you eat? Take take me through sort of a day of what a diet might look like for you. Well, I just posted about this, but I run an exercise for smoothie bowls. I crave smoothie bowls. If you're asking me if I'm present and mindful when I'm doing my workouts, yes. But in the back of my mind, I know when I do a long workout, I'm going to get home and I'm going to make my smoothie bowl. <laughs> That's what I crave. So a typical day, uh, lots of bananas. Our whole family eats bananas. So Clark, our dog, is plant-based and he eats bananas. He knows when I'm going on top of the fridge to reach for a banana, he can hear that. All right, this is very important. I don't mean to interrupt yeah. you, but yeah. Jess and I did an entire podcast and I didn't realize that we both had golden retrievers until after it was over. And I felt awful about it because my Jackson is my goal. He just turned eight. He's my first son. He was my firstborn. And when I saw Jess's Instagram page that you guys had a golden retriever, I was like, I can't believe we didn't talk golden <laughs> retrievers. So we're talking golden retrievers. Here. They're, the, they're amazing. <laughs> it's my second golden retriever. The first dog I ever had was a golden retriever. So <laughs> They're amazing. Yeah, Jackson, he's eight, huh? Yeah, he's eight. He's the best. Uh, they're the best. They're amazing. So he, Clark is plant-based, and he's been plant-based almost all his life. He's five. So yeah, bananas. Bananas are a staple. They are, the, are a big staple of our day. So you know, I'll wake up in the morning. I usually do a workout, so I'll have a banana. Lots and lots of hydration, lots of liquid. We have a water mixture every morning of apple cider vinegar, cayenne pepper, and lemon. And we call it gutter water because it looks really dirty. We shoot one of those down. Of course, we'll have espresso or some sort of coffee, Mm -hmm. a banana with maybe some peanut. I like peanut butter. And I'm off for my workout. Come back. I'll have a smoothie bowl with the Yogi Triathlete granola, which we have a recipe for, which I crave. So I will actually, if we ran out of granola, I will wait to have my smoothie bowl and make the granola, which takes 30 minutes and uh, hammer that down. And then throughout the day, it's really just whole foods. So maybe a salad Mm -hmm. with plenty of seeds, nuts, avocado. But to be honest, there's days where I'll just see an avocado and that looks good to me. I'll cut open the avocado, throw some salt and pepper on there and that's... I do the same. Yeah. Yeah. There's no... I cut it up and I scoop it out with a spoon and put some salt on. I put the... um, Trader Joe's has that everything but the bagel seasoning that I put right onto an avocado and that's a snack for me. It's perfect. Yeah, it's great. So you don't need to make, so the whole point is you don't need to make this big meal, like just mono eat. I do mono eating a lot. Um, Maybe a day where I'll just eat bananas. Our biggest meal is definitely dinner. 
we have one bowls a lot of the times. Pizza, mm -hmm. we love pizza. We have a cookbook called High Vibe Pie. Let's talk about those cookbooks because I love it. I think it's great. I'm a big pizza fan. So I think a lot of people, it's one of those things people kind of think they have to give up when they start to follow a plant-based lifestyle. Obviously, it's not true. You have a whole cookbook about it. We have a whole cookbook. We have pizzas that we've created in the kitchen with one pan, a pizza stone, and we don't actually get into the crust. So you use whatever crust you want. Um, be careful of the gluten-free crust because a lot of them have egg in it. That's my only cautionary tale. But we use, there's plenty of crusts out there. We're okay with gluten. So I'll use a Whole Foods whole wheat crust. And then we just throw a bunch of stuff on it. We actually have a pie in there called the jungle pie and it's everything. It's coconut bacon, Brussels sprouts. And you would think like Brussels sprouts on pizza. Yeah, this stuff is legit. It's really good. When I was growing up, Brussels sprouts were like the prototype for like the vegetable that everyone wanted to avoid. And I don't quite understand how that happened because Brussels sprouts are fantastic. <laughs> But this just shows you, right? Like how we have these, oh my God, these thoughts that we seem to believe are true and they're just not. Like you're not giving Brussels a shot. Give me exactly. a shot. Give Brussels a shot. I like that. Yeah, I agree completely. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the endurance racing when that started in your life. Was that post-transition to a plant-based lifestyle? Was that, that was before the transition to a plant-based lifestyle? How did that fit in into your life? Yeah, it was definitely uh, pre- plant-based. Uh, I played basketball growing up, love of basketball. All my injuries and ailments happened while playing basketball. And once I transitioned to endurance sports, which happened when we moved to Colorado, here's the story. You know, we moved in, I think October, we drove out there. I was like, let's get a mountain bike. Let's start this mountain biking thing. Six months later on a mountain bike at Vail, 10,000 feet up, doing a 100-mile mountain bike race with 14,000 feet of elevation, didn't finish the race. And that was the birth of my passion for endurance sports because I knew I could do it. And for some reason, whatever it was, nutrition, training, I just hadn't grasped what I needed to do yet. So did my due diligence, bought a road bike, did more mountain biking, dialed in my nutrition, and came back the next year and finished, and then started triathlon the year after that. So that's really how I started in the endurance sports realm. So Vail is, if I had to list favorite places on the planet, Vail is top five, no question. Um, so I like that. And, you know, the idea of not being able to do something and instead of giving up and saying, I can't do this, going home and sort of regrouping and saying, I can do this. I just need to be more intentional about it and figure out how I'm going to go about this. I think is says so much about what a lot of us face in life where it's saying it's not about doing it the first time because here you are, you weren't able to do this race, right? And you went home and you regrouped and now I'm talking to you. You've, I mean, you've done 15 Ironman races. I mean, that is like, I, tell, just for context, because I said it in just in the Jess's episode, but what, what is, a, cause I'm going to say Ironman a lot, I feel like in the next 10 minutes, but tell me what an Ironman <laughs> is very quickly so people kind of have some context. You bet. So first I want to say I've done 15, but I've attempted 18. So I've, I have not started wow. some races and I've DNF'd at races. So I'm human. But an Ironman is 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike, and then a marathon. So 26.2 miles. And that collectively is 140.6 miles with the time limit of 17 hours to finish. So if you're ever driving down the highway and you see somebody with one of those little white circle bumper stickers, the black outline that says 140.6 in it, you should just know, because you might not have known, that you're driving behind a superhero. So that's what that means in case you are ever wondering. 
when was the first time in your mind that you said, all right, I'm going to do an Ironman. I'm going to do this because the bike ride is one thing. Some people run marathons. Some people do hundred mile bike races. Some people like to swim, but these are three feats that almost none of us will do any one of in our lives. And you're going to do them back to back. When did that first become an idea in your mind of something that you wanted to try to do? I was very fortunate to have a friend when we got to Colorado in Boulder that I met who uh, opened up my eyes to triathlon. He asked me, you know, do you want to come try this, try this race? So to your point, I'm not a swimmer. I am not a cyclist. And I did a little bit of running in soccer and basketball, but never running. And I'm coming from a town that was on the water. And so Water scared me. Ocean scared me. Sharks, suffocation. I must have in a previous life been drowned or something like that. I had extreme fear. But there's something inside of me, probably from that experience, that said, you know, go give it a try. And the first triathlon I did, the water was, you know, 50 something degrees. It was super cold. I lost my breath. I'm breaststroking through the whole thing. I get out of it. I survive. I get to the bike. I somehow get through the bike and get through the run and I finish. And it was like, okay. What's the next distance? What's next? And that was a sprint. And then I did an Olympic. And being in Boulder, I mean, you cannot, you can't pass up exposure to the Ironman distance, the full distance. Boulder and San Diego are the hotbeds in, in the United States for triathlon, for Ironman. And it was just put on my heart. So 2004 is when I did my first triathlon. 2006 is when I did my first Ironman in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho magnificent, beautiful location. And it really woke me up because I trained and all the chatter and talk based on my training was like, you're going to get your spot to Kona, right? Because Kona is the big... That's the big one, right? Big one, right? That's one that's on TV that you see. Yep. All the hoopla is about. And I was nowhere close to it when the actual day came. <laughs> Your perception on the day gets distorted. Like at first you're like, I'm going to hit this. I'm going to do this. And then as the day goes, all you want to do is finish. All you want to do is cross that finish line. So what I can say on that first day is when I got to mile 20 of the run, it was all terrible. It was awful. Didn't experience what I thought I was going to experience. But something shifted in those last six miles. I started to run strong. I actually ran faster than I ran the whole day. And I finished the race running. That to me said, okay, this is a long, long day. Anything can happen. There's going to be ebbs and flows like life, right? If you don't get too high, you don't get too low. Maybe play the middle ground a little bit more. I can be successful at this. And that's when the birth of me as an endurance athlete, like I can go along. The fast and the speed and taking time off will come. But I've got this mindset that says, I can sustain this for a long period of time. I am confident that I can do that. And so, you know, 15 Ironmans successfully later, I still have not qualified for Kona, but I'm closer. And so if you want to talk about the life game, it's not the outcome, right? It's the process. It's the journey. Plant-based nutrition, it's not about being perfect. It's about what can you do today in your life that's moving you towards where you want to go. And be okay with that. Remove the hard lines. I love what you said because you and I have never met before. I promise everyone out there, but I say this to people all the time. Look, life is never as good as you think it is. And life is never as bad as you think it is, right? The truth is almost always somewhere in between. And I love what you said about, let's not get too excited. Let's not get too down. 
let's chart a middle course and try to walk that middle line as best as we can because that's where we're really going to find the most progress. And we're not going to get too excited. We're not going to get too down. We're just going to keep moving forward one foot in front of the other. And I think that's a great way. You can apply that to so many things that we do in life. I think the other thing that you said, but I think people are going to think is crazy at first is what you're saying about your experience with endurance racing is really the same way that I feel about golf, which is funny because golf is the opposite of running an Ironman, right? But what it is, is it's an activity where 99% of the time you're just trying to beat yourself, right? I'm trying to improve from the last time I played. There are some guys out there that are so much better than me at golf that it doesn't matter how much I practice. I'm never going to beat them. And that's okay. And I'm sure there are people out there who are running these Ironman races where you say to yourself, like, I'm just never going to beat those guys. And like, that is what it is. But what I'm trying to do is I have a goal for myself, which is for me, it's to break 80 in golf for you is to qualify for Kona, right? And that's a target that other people affect that target a little bit, I'm sure, because I'm sure it's a qualifying number, but it's still, it's a goal that you're trying to beat yourself to get to and trying to improve on your own progress. So I think that's so important where like, I'm not competing against anybody. I'm just trying to do better than I've done in the past. And that can be applied to so many different things that we do too. And that's why you're going to be successful because you're competing against you. What gets glorified and what gets promoted and really gets the exposure is that this guy came and played golf for a year and now he's, he's hitting 80 and you're like, oh, well, why can't I be like him? What was wrong with me? Well, there's nothing wrong with you. That was his experience. That's, you're not him. I say this to our athletes a lot. Do you want to be the best version of yourself or the second best version of somebody else? I don't want to be like them. I want to be me. And if it takes me 50 years, well, that's what it will take. I'm going to try my hardest. As long as I'm growing every day and and challenging myself and pulling something out of it, the same with golf. If you hit one shot in your day out of 18 holes, if you hit, oh my God, that's glorious. You had that flow for one shot. How amazing is that? Did you play golf by any chance? I used to play a little but bit. But that's literally the joke about golf, right? Is that you play like 17 terrible holes, but then you hit one pure shot at the end and you say, all right, fine, I'll come back again tomorrow and do it again. That's the joke. That, that is the joke <laughs> about golf. That's, it's funny you said that. So you started running these endurance races before you made the transition to a plant-based mm-hmm. lifestyle. I, I want to hear a little bit about how your transition to the plant-based lifestyle affected your performance. Did it take you a little while to get that sort of dialed in so that you were kind of back to where you were before? Did you lose anything? Did you gain anything? How did that go for you? I think it's only been gains. I would say, I think the transition to plant-based lifestyle opened my mind. It brought things into a clear form where I could see what I was doing, self-sabotage, and I could see where I wanted to go. So the plants actually gave me clarity and purpose and focus. I've, if you would just want to talk about times like the times for my races like the same times that i hit before i was plant-based i've hit many faster times the biggest thing i will say about the transition is that my recovery time is so quick i recall jess and i we did ironman cozumel in 2015 for our wedding anniversary on the day we both raced together which is super cool so grateful to have her be on board for those things the next day i was swimming biking and just taking a walk. I have done three Ironmans in a year. I have done two Ironmans in the span of six weeks and had my best placement. This is all while being plant-based, all while aging. I'm 47. Uh, I'm not young. I'm at the top tier of my age. (laughs) It's just a number. (laughs) But I feel amazing. And so the transition really wasn't that big to me. 
in respect to what I'm doing in the sport. It's actually just, just brought clarity, purpose, recovery time. And you know what? I enjoy it. Like I love doing these amazing six, eight hour bike rides on plants, like just doing this stuff and then doing it again the next day and then the next day. So yeah, I, I, it really hasn't impacted me too much. It's inspiring. And I think that was the whole point of Game Changers and the documentary, mm-hmm. which was that you're not going to become the world's strongest man because you start eating plants, but you can be the world's strongest man and eat plants, right? And I think that was the whole point of the documentary. And I think it's the same thing here where I am no closer to running an Ironman because I'm following a plant-based lifestyle right now. I might be a little bit closer, but I'm certainly no further, right? And I think that was the whole point where you can do anything you want to do on this diet, including you know, becoming the world's strongest man or running 15 Ironman races, right? You can do all those things and follow a plant-based lifestyle. And it sounds like what you and Jess have done is kind of put your money where your mouth is literally and, and turn this into a business. So tell me a little bit about Yogi Triathlete and what you guys do and what you provide and what people will find if they check out the platform. Yeah, you bet. So Yogi Triathlete was born from my wife's blog when she was actually in Boulder and she had the moment, this aha moment where she was in triangle pose and she's like, why can't I do endurance sports and yoga? They both bring me to the same place. And so I hopped on board when I quit my corporate job, left a, a, that corporate job of 20 years and decided to do what I love and talked about, which was coaching, because I want to use the experience that I have gained over the years and help guide people along in their journey. I'm not going to have all the answers. I'm not going to be 100% correct, but I can tell you that I'm going to be at your side the entire way, and we're going to ebb and flow together and get through this, and we're going to find a way. So what Yogi Trathley does is we, I like to say, wake up and shake up the endurance world because we believe it's more than just training. We believe it's more than just the X's and O's. We want to elevate the humans that we engage in. We want to elevate their lifestyle, their interactions with their families, look to alternative ways to fuel their workouts and their bodies, become more mindful and loving, and let's start to do our own part. Let's take ownership of our health 360 degrees and be that um, example in our communities that isn't pointing the finger and yelling and shouting, but actually walking the walk, like talking about it and actually embracing it fully. And so we are working to build warriors. That's what we're doing with Yogi Traffic. We're building warriors and not people who are ready for battle, but people who are ready to stand up, be mindful, notice their thoughts, notice their hard lines, notice their anger and frustrations, and understand that we are all one. Like we are all in this together. What separates us is only going to keep separating us. Our ego, our um, perception of people. If we keep separating ourselves, we're going to create exactly what we just are experiencing now. What we need is more love. We need more community. We need more alikeness. You and I are very much alike. Yes, you play golf. Yes, I do triathlon. That means nothing to me. You're a human being who's just trying to do the best he can with the tools that you have. And that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what the people on our team are trying to do. And we're trying to help them with giving them more tools in their toolbox. I appreciate you saying that, but let's not pretend for one second that me breaking 80 on golf and you running an Ironman or anything close to the same thing. So let's just be clear. Let's be clear that I'm aware there's a difference right. between those two Good things. Point. Good point. Golf is really, really challenging. Right. But I, I do like the, the idea behind the mindfulness things because I think that's becoming 
so, so much more prevalent in my life where I'm really taking the time to, to try to bring some meditation into my life, into my, into what I'm doing. And I have to imagine that no matter how good a physical shape you are in, there is a point in every Ironman that you run where you start to get inside your own head and you think a little bit like, what am I doing out here? And you have to try to kind of fall back on some of that mindfulness training that you guys do. So I'm sure that's a big part of what you provide you. We triathlete also. Yeah, I literally, there are so many times that I will start the swim and I'll be five strokes into the swim and be like, what am I doing? I don't want to be doing this. I'm real. I'm human. Like I, I have those thoughts. I'm sure you get on the golf course and are like, oh my God, I, I want to be home with Jackson. Like he's just laying there. I, I miss him. Um, <laughs> it's true. But that's the work right there. When, you're, when you have the thought of being somewhere else, but you're right here, it's noticing that thought, but coming right back to now because you're, you're serving a purpose right now. There's a reason why you're on the golf course. There's a reason why I'm swimming shift the awareness and focus to the moment and get on with your day. It sounds like it is for you too, but the swimming part of the triathlon to me is the part that seems the most intimidating by far. I mean, I just like, I can ride a bike. I get where riding a bike is. I can understand doing that for a very long time. At least I can conceptualize it. You know, like I said, I've run a 5k. So you do that, you know, eight times in a row, you've run a marathon. I can conceptualize that. The idea behind swimming 2.4 miles to me just seems like something that is so daunting that I don't know how I'd even approach that. I mean. But it's the same thing as your podcast. Like you're probably like, how am I ever going to do a podcast? But, but that's so perfect you say that because that's the mindset. And that's what I work with most often with athletes because I experience that too. I so scared of the water so scared of open ocean, scared of getting to the other side of uh, the pool, with losing my breath and drowning. I've experienced all that, but I can tell you I'm 16 years now in the sport. I love swimming. I crave it because it is like golf. Every stroke is different. Every experience is different. You're never going to be perfect, but you have those moments in that activity where you're like, ah, I get it. I get it. This is awesome. And that's what keeps me coming back to swimming. It's so foreign to us because we spend most of our time on land. So if you're only swimming three times a week for three hours, that is not going to get you prepared to be in the ocean for a competition. Like you need to do the work and put yourself in that unfamiliar environment. So great point. That's what we work with a lot with our athletes. And to be honest, it's a lot with the mindset. I mean, we can help with your stroke and form and all of that, but it's really the mindset. It's, it's understanding that. It's only fear that's causing you to not move forward because fear and, and excitement come from the same part of the brain. So if you can switch that fear to excitement, like I'm excited to try something new, then you've planted the seed and you just need to water it. Makes a lot of sense to me. I like to end every podcast interview with, with a question that's sort of similar to this, which is, um, you know, we talk about a lot on these podcasts. We try to cram a lot into a half hour, 35 minutes, but I like to take an opportunity at the end to kind of distill it down to um, my hope with this project is people who are, I want to reinforce it. People who are already following a plant-based lifestyle. And I really hope to do that. But what I really want to do is try to reach people who are either not doing it or considering doing it. And, try to offer them just like a practical tidbit or some information or some motivation for what they can do or why they should consider doing this. So if there's somebody out there who's listening to this interview, who's thinking, you know, this is something that maybe I should consider doing in my life. What do you say to that person? Oh boy. I could say a lot. <laughs> I could say, I could say, look at the animals, look at the animals. I came into being plant-based because of performance 
And what I do it now is why I do it now is be, is for the animals. I just don't want to harm. I'm a yogi, and one of the guidelines is ahimsa, which is non-harm. I don't need to harm anything for me to perform my best. That's my take. And if I had known that sooner, I probably would have been plant-based sooner. But for someone who's curious, get curious about it. There's no hard lines. Another thing is like, see if you're keeping yourself safe and in a box because you know what that box is like and you know all the comforts in there. And what if you just stepped outside and had a green smoothie and tasted for yourself? Don't rely on what other people are saying. Don't listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying go out and see for yourself. See if you like it. If you try one green smoothie and it doesn't taste good, go to another shop and try another green smoothie because it's going to be different. Don't base your experience on one instance. I really like what you said about there not being any hard lines here. I think that when you go online, you start reading enough forums, you start seeing what other people are saying about a plant-based lifestyle. You think, wow, there's so many rules here. If I don't do all these things, I'm a bad person. I'm not doing everything. I'm not pure. I'm not whatever. And the truth is, is we're all somewhere on the spectrum. Let's try to get as further along as we can and bring some other people with us. And it's okay to be human and make mistake. And if what you need to do is start with breakfast on Monday, start with breakfast on Monday. And then maybe the following week, it's breakfast and lunch on Monday, or it's every breakfast or whatever it is, right? Let's just do what we can to bring them along. So I really like what you said. BJ, thank you so much for joining me. This was such a fantastic interview. If people want to find you, yogitriathlete.com or on Instagram at yogitriathlete, I will put links to all those good things in the show notes. But thank you so much for joining me. This was such, such a fantastic interview. Thank you so much for the time. BJ, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Great talking with you, hearing more about Yogi Triathlete and your journey. If you want to find out a little bit more about BJ and Yogi Triathlete, you can find him on his website at yogitriathlete.com, or you can find him on Instagram at yogitriathlete. As always, if you want to get in touch with me, I can be reached on Instagram at goingveganpodcast, or you can email me, dan at goingveganpodcast.com. Thanks so much for joining me. See you next time.